Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today is Bert Kearns, journalist, television and film producer, and he's author of the new book, Lawrence Tierney, Hollywood's Real-Life Tough Guy, published by the University Press of Kentucky and available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. To order the book, go to lawrencetierneybook.com, and for a signed copy, you can go to larryedmonds.com, and you can follow the book, not Bert, on Twitter at Tough Guy Tierney and on Instagram at Lawrence Tierney Book. And Bert, first of all, welcome to the show, and second of all, am I been screwing up his name that I get a Tierney or Tierney? Which is the best one? Tierney, Lawrence Tierney. I thought so, but I, you know, occasionally I slip. I think it's lack of sleep. Who knows? That's been a, that, that, that's an issue with, uh, with with the book and with Lawrence Tierney. Is when you mention Lawrence Tierney, they go, "Who? Who's Lawrence Tierney?" And then you explain, and they go, "Oh, that guy." <laughs> we should note that just yesterday it was his birthday. I mean, yes. he died in two thousand two, but even so, we should acknowledge that. 104 years old, if had he made it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit about him first, and I want to get into the book. He was, a, he was an actor. He had this swagger about him and his gruff disposition. And that was both on and evidently off screen, as we'll talk about. Why did you decide to write a biography of Lawrence Tierney? A couple of reasons. One, I was working, I was doing research on another project, and I came upon an article, a story online, and it was from about 1952, and it said, Lawrence Tierney arrested for the 13th time. So that's pretty interesting. So I looked into it and I saw it was a story of this actor who had been arrested for being drunk for the 13th time, did a little more research and realized it wasn't the 13th time. It was more like the 22nd time uh, in the last you know five years or so. And then I recalled, I drank with this guy once. <laughs> Back in the early 90s, uh, there, there was a bar called the Formosa Cafe, a, a Chinese restaurant in Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood. I think it's still it's open a, now, isn't it? Still there. It's right. been around since the 1930s. And in the 40s and 50s, that's where you know Elvis went there and uh, Ava Gardner and all the celebrities would go there because the Warner lot was right next door. In the 90s, some of those old people were still hanging out at the bar, as well as a young generation. You look in the booth over there, and there's Quentin Tarantino, and there's Keanu Reeves. And you know there's an old guy sitting at the bar. Uh, with a short sleeve shirt, drinking whiskey out of a bucket, one of those big glasses. And I was sitting next to him at the bar and I said, I think that's the guy that was in Reservoir Dogs, the old guy from Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> and he said, how you doing? I'm Larry. And we chatted. And I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember that there was no brawl, no fighting, which I kind of felt bad about later when I learned more about his history. You know, here was here was this guy, you know, Irish American from Brooklyn. He worked as a... um a sand hog, and he worked in factories. And at the same time, he also worked as, as a model. And he was discovered, came to Hollywood to RKO Radio Pictures in 1943 uh, with promises of being a star. And they didn't do much with him. They put him in little odd, uncredited roles here and there. And they were about to get rid of his contract in 1945 when he saw an ad in the trade saying that they were casting a movie in an area called Poverty Row, which were all the independent, low-budget studios were, about a gangster named John Dillinger. So as the as the myth goes, and as the story goes, he left the studio, walked up a mile up Gower Street, up to Sunset Boulevard, walked into the office of the producers, swiped a script from the secretary, learned a scene, came in, did a read. He got the role as John Dillinger in this low-budget picture. RKO Radio Pictures rented him out for 100 bucks a week for three weeks. Picture came out, overnight sensation. Lawrence Tierney was Dillinger. The movie was a hit. Dillinger mania spread across America. Lawrence Tierney overnight was a star. 
Two weeks later, he was arrested in Beverly Hills for being drunk. Goes to court, gets a $10 fine. A week after that, arrested again. A week after that, long story short, at the end of his career, Lawrence Tierney made about 60 films, had more than 30 television roles, and more than 70 arrests. This is a guy who basically drank and brawled away his career in the first five years. But what made the story different was that he kept going. He always found a way to keep going. If the if the heat got too heavy in L.A., he moved to New York. If he got heavy in New York, when he's banned from all the bars in New York, he goes to Europe. And there's always a producer who wants to give him another shot because he was a nice guy when he wasn't drinking. In the end, Lawrence Tierney made an incredible comeback much later in life. You know, in the early days, he was a handsome, scary, nobody was scarier in these film noir movies than Lawrence Tierney, Born to Kill, The Devil Thumbs a Ride. He made this comeback in the 80s as sort of, he was described by one of the characters in Reservoir Dogs as The Thing, a (laughs) big, bald, burly guy who talked like this and he was fat and he was, you know, but he's a great actor. He made films with John Huston, Jack Nicholson, Andy Warhol, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino, John Sayles, James Cagney. He had this, John Cassavetes. He wound up having this whole second career as an old man in Hollywood where people like me met him when I was younger. And he was still raising hell to the very end. Amazing. You know, he made it to 82 years old somehow. How did he keep the drinking under control while he was filming films? He always claimed that he didn't drink while he was working, which really wasn't that true. You know, he was he was always he was getting arrested, you know, in the in the middle of shoots. He was getting arrested and having to like st- step into jail for a few weeks at a time, you know, in between shoots. He always said that he, you know, he Tierney had Tyranny had issues, obviously. Today, we would have said that he was you know, bipolar. He obviously had, he had, he had some sort of mental issues. And he also was a, a diehard alcoholic and, and really always said that. When he would do an interview, he'd say, I, I'm a prisoner to this. I've tried Alcoholics Anonymous. I keep trying, but it doesn't work. And what did the press do? Aha, there's Lawrence Tierney thinking he's Dillinger. There, there was no... There, 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 there was no sympathy for this guy right. throughout. They didn't really understand what his issue was. And the worst was the legal system. I mentioned that, that, that story about him being in jail, being arrested for the 13th time. He'd been arrested for the 13th time, they said, or he appeared before this judge for the 13th time. And the judge looked at his record and said, you know, Mr. Tierney, this is the 13th time you've been before me. This is ridiculous. And I find you, you keep getting in fights, you keep getting drunk. It's time right now. We're going to have to send you to jail. You're going to get. You're going to go to jail, and you're going to learn your lesson. But if you promise never to drink again, I'll let you off with a fine. Your Honor, I promise I'll never drink again. Of course, this happened over and over again. And so, you know, it, 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 it's it's sad. It's you know, it's it's a tragic story. What um, makes it a little bit you know more tragic is the fact that he was a great actor. When people see his films now, from from the 1940s and 50s. They go, wow, this guy was great. And then when you see his work that he did in the 80s, you know, some of the best work he did in the 80s was on television, where he was on shows like Hunter and, you know, Sane Elsewhere. Uh, he was on, he had, he, had, he had a great role on Hill Street Blues. Well, you mentioned he had, also yeah. he was in Seinfeld, wasn't he? Well, <laughs> Seinfeld, that's a typical, you want me to tell the Seinfeld Absolutely. story? Typical Lawrence Tierney story. Here he is. 
He's he's an old man. He's probably you know in, in his seventies by then. He gets a role, uh, an, an actor who was on Seinfeld who worked with him back in the seventies. Says he'd be great to play Elaine's father, Julia Louis Dreyfus's father in the show. So they go great. They write it. They write an episode. It's called The Jacket, and he plays a, a person who's he's a writer and a World War II vet who has to meet Jerry and George Costanza, and he scares the hell out of them. He's gruff and he's scary <laughs> and this and that. Well, Tierney shows up and. He, he sits at the table. He doesn't get any of the jokes. He's saying, who's this guy Steinfeld? You know, I've worked with Jack Benny and people like that. This guy's not funny. What's funny about this? And they go, no, no, just do the, Larry, just do the role. This is great. Does the role. He's in his deadpan way. He's hilarious. They love him. The producer, the direct, they go, you know, Larry David, he's like, got to bring this guy back. He's going to be a regular. So that means, you know, Larry's going to get insurance. He's going to have a regular pay. He's got, he's got a, right. a, a recurring role on a hit show. Until they're filming the final scene, they're in the Seinfeld apartment set, and the actors are on one side of the stage. There's an audience there. And Larry is in the kitchen area of the Seinfeld set, and they notice that he takes a large knife out of the butcher block in, in, the, in the kitchen and slips it in his jacket. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus looks over at Jason Alexander. Did you see? I saw that. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. And he goes, oh, did he just? And they look, they look at the director. The director says, I, the guy just put a, a knife in his jacket. Well, Jerry Seinfeld sees it, walks over to him and says, so, Larry, uh, what's with the knife? <laughs> and Tierney's a bit embarrassed. Right. And he says, well, you know, this was just in case uh, I had to stab you in the heart. And then he took the knife wow. and did an imitation of the psycho scene and went ee, 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 over Jerry Seinfeld. And they said, security, yeah. get this guy out of here. And he ne- he lost the gig. Did he ever explain that in your research? Did Eric explain why he acted that way, or is he just so far gone that? Uh, two things: <laughs> one, he was a, he was a comedian. He thought he was funny. He thought that was really really oh, funny. Okay, okay. Number one, got it. And number two, he unfortunately later in life became a real kleptomaniac. He couldn't help but steal things. Uh, I talked to a lot of the, the people that were younger that hung out with him in those days, and they would be in a in a diner or a restaurant. And all of a sudden, Tierney would stop in the men's room and come back and go, let's get out of here now. Quick, we got to get out. And his pockets are full of silverware or salt and pepper shakers. A guy that, that, that Tierney was living with during the Seinfeld shoot, David DelVal, a Hollywood historian, says he was getting calls from the Seinfeld office during the shoot saying, uh, all the staplers are gone. And all, you know, <laughs> he's stealing things off the desk. He, he couldn't help himself. So he, he was, was quite he was quite a character. But you think being an alcoholic, he would just steal booze. You know, <laughs> no, he, was... <laughs> I, you know he 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 had he had lots 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 of issues like that. Right. He also was a a diehard. I don't know if you bring this up, but he had a, an issue with public urination. Uh, one of the directors he worked with said that you know if he had if he walked into a men's room and there were twelve urinals there, he'd just walk right past and go out into the street. And there were there were several incidents where that happened. He lost the role in the movie Joe. I don't remember the, the movie Joe with Peter Boyle. Mm-hmm. It made Peter Boyle a star. Lawrence Tierney was originally set to star in that role until they were doing a wardrobe fitting at a department store in New York City, and he apparently urinated on the escalator, and they said, get this guy out of here. The most famous one is at the Egyptian Theater. This is one of his last public appearances. Uh, it was a tribute to Robert Wise, the great director who had directed Tierney in Born to Kill back in uh, 1947. Tierney was not invited to this gala at the Egyptian theater, but showed up anyway. And he uh, he showed up, and he people said, well, "It's Lawrence Tierney." Wow, and he was he was infirm, he was older, and these guys they brought him in, they sat him down in the theater, 
And then there was a Q&A and Tierney heckled, you know, he, he heckled Robert Wise from the back of the theater. And then the movie began. And um person sitting next to Tierney, who turned out to be Eddie Muller, who is known as the, the, the Zwar of Noir. He's a film noir expert who appears on TCM. He, Tierney said, you know, uh, get me a cup. I need a cup. And he said, okay. And it was the Egyptian theater and the Prince of Egypt had just played there, the Disney film. And he went to the concession stand and came back with a big cup that said the Prince of Egypt on it. And in the middle of the film, Tierney stood up, dropped his pants and began to urinate into the cup. Unfortunately, there was a, a woman sitting in front of him and it was very loud. And Mueller said, he just sat there going, please don't turn around. Please don't turn around. Please don't turn around. Yes. And of course, the woman turned around and Tierney said something to the effect of, What's the matter? Ain't you never seen one of these before? Oh, and man. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's a tyranny story that's gone down in history, Hollywood history. I mean, Hollywood's not exactly the most normal town, yet that behavior seems to obviously cross even those lines to where you, you know, you, he's ama I'm amazed that based on your stories and research that he was able to find work. I understand why he was talented and he was very well known and after Dillinger launched him. But once you have too many of these episodes of either kleptomania or public urination or other situations, pulling out a knife. I mean, well, what, well one, one of the, the, the issues was here we were in, in the late 1980s and in the, in the 1990s, and you had these young filmmakers, people like Quentin Tarantino, right. who, who would find out that Lawrence Tierney is still alive. You know, at one point, there was a guy named uh, C. Courtney Joyner. He's a, he's a script writer and a, uh, and a director. He was good friends with Larry. Courtney was in his 20s. Larry was, you know, in his late 60s. And Courtney had the same management as Quentin Tarantino. This is before Quentin had made his first, before he had made Reservoir Dogs. And Quentin showed him a script that he that he wrote, and it was Reservoir Dogs. And he said, you know, I've got this other script called True Romance that somebody else is directing, but I want to direct this script. And at the top of the script, it was dedicated to about eight different people, you know, Horikawa, Timothy Carey, people like that, and Lawrence Tierney. Mm -hmm. And Courtney said, you've dedicated this to Lawrence Tierney? And Tarantino said, Oh yeah, you know he died. He was killed in a gunfight in Mexico. What a, he was the worst guy around. And Courtney said, "No, he's now he lives behind the library. I see him every week." And so he he and, um, introduced Tarantino to to Lawrence Tierney, and he hired him on at, to play the old man uh, who who runs the gang in the film Reservoir Dogs. And they made a few calls, and they and they the producer Lawrence Bender called a couple of people who had worked with Tierney and said, "You know anything we should know about working with with Mr. Tierney?" <laughs> said, well, yeah, you know, no more. He needs a handler. He'll uh, get bored in the middle of a shoot and, and walk away and just like start hanging out with somebody else in the street. You, got, you need a handler. He's you know you got to be careful with this guy. He he loses his concentration. He said, "Don't worry, we'll we'll take care of it." Well, Quentin Tarantino hires Lawrence Tierney. They they shoot the scenes for the first week. They're at the last shot of the last day of the first week. And the whole week, you know, Tierney is, he doesn't get the jokes in the script. He doesn't, he, he, this is repetitive. This isn't funny. What is this? He's, he's blaming the other guy. He's forgetting his lines and this and that. And they're shooting. The, it was actually the opening scene of the film in which they're at the, the, the pancake house. And they had to do one more shot with Tierney and Quentin says, you know, Larry, and he would, Tierney would walk away in the middle of Quentin trying to, trying to tell him what to do. So Tierney, Quentin grabs his, stop, stop. Tierney says, get your hands off me. The next thing you know, they're, they're fighting. And, and, you know, young Tarantino and this old man are, are swinging at each other. And, and, and Tarantino stops and says, you're fired. Get off my set. You're fired. 
And he walks away. And they said the, 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 the crew applauded. And then the producer and Harvey Keitel, who was one of the actors there who had broken up the fight, says, you know, you can't fire this guy. We'd shot most of his scenes and we can't afford, we can't afford to reshoot them. You got to hire him back. So he hired him back and got through the shoot. But that was the thing. Amazing. That happened constantly through the 90s. You have these young guys who wanted to work with the legend. Right. The, the producer of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the producer of Star Trek The Next Generation, had Tierney in it because they wanted to work with Lawrence Tierney. The producer, the, the showrunner of The Simpsons, had a character named Don Brodka. And he was, ironically, a store security guard who catches Bart shoplifting. And they wanted Lawrence <laughs> Tierney in his Reservoir Dogs all the, to play the voice of Don Brodka. Well, Tierney, they, they bring Tierney in and Lawrence Tierney's going to be here today. This is great. Well, Tierney gets there. The first thing he does, he hits on a female production assistant. <laughs> oh, man. And then he doesn't get uh, the jokes. I'm not reading this. This isn't funny. It's like, right. please just read the jokes. <laughs> well, I think I should do it in a Southern accent. A Southern accent? No. You got to do it like the guy from Reservoir Dogs. And this, they said it was the, it was the wildest, most difficult <laughs> shoot they ever had. Yet, the producer today says it was the most memorable. We worked with Lawrence Tierney. It was the greatest. They gave like a little tribute to him when he died right. on The Simpsons. So there you go. I mean, the young folks got to work with the old legend, you know. And I, I could see that. When you find out someone that you grew up watching on the silver screen and idolize, and you find out they're still alive, they may be in their 80s or 90s at this point, but they're still alive, you want to do something with them. Absolutely. Bert, how did you start your research on Lawrence Tierney? In other words, did you, did you first talk to people and then do more intensive research with uh, written materials, or did you start in the library and then go into talking with people? And how did you reach people who might have remembered Lawrence Tierney? Well, I, I did sort of the opposite. I began to research Tierney through various websites and newspapers and libraries, and then the pandemic hit, and the lockdown started. So I sat down, and I just started taking every story out of books, out of newspapers, magazines, uh, everywhere, and I just wrote them. I just I typed them out. And I, came, I wound up with about 800 single-spaced pages. And then I started from the beginning and started reading it. Well, great. Here's Lawrence Tierney, you know, young guy. He's going to Manhattan College. Oh, good. Oh, he's been discovered. Look at that. Oh, there's a nice article about him. Oh, he's, you know, he's in Hollywood. And oh, no, oh, no. Ouch. And now he's got it. Oh, no. And then as I kept reading it, it was like one step forward, two steps backwards through the whole thing. And so I sort of took it. As as sort of a mystery myself to see, you know, where where is he going to screw up next? Right. And then I started. Then I found people who knew him. I found uh, his family members first of all. He had two nephews, uh, one of whom was the son of the actor Scott Brady. Scott Brady had his own very uh, successful career. He was in movies like Johnny Guitar with Joan Crawford, and he had a TV series called Shotgun Slade. He was Lawrence Tierney's younger brother who came to Hollywood in the late forties after being a war hero, and was discovered. Lawrence introduced him to a producer. Uh, he was discovered, and the people said, you know, this is great, but you might want to change your name from Tierney because your brother's got kind of reputation here. So he became Scott Brady for the rest of his life. Interesting. On screen. One of Scott, Scott Brady's final roles were in uh, the, the China Syndrome with Jack Lemmon and uh, Jane Fonda, and he was also in Gremlins. He played the old corrupt sheriff who the Gremlins all get at the end. Um, but he died young. He died at about age 60. And he had emphysema and other issues. Um, so he was, so we had Scott Brady's uh, son, Larry's, Larry's nephew, who never knew he had an uncle, Larry, until he was about 14 years old. He found it accidentally because the brothers had had a falling out. And 
Larry was not a, a nice person as far as the family was concerned. So Scott Brady never talked about his brother as as uh, Tim was growing up. He had another brother uh, named Edward Tierney, who was in acting for a while. He Acting wasn't as big a deal for him. Uh, Lawrence got him a role in a movie called The Hoodlum, playing his younger brother. Uh, he had he had a, a, a minor career in acting, but then moved on from that. He died young as well. And his son, Michael Tierney, in the mid-1980s, after his father had died, reached out to his uncle Larry and sort of became Lawrence's de facto manager and guide and took care of him for the last 15 years of his life. So we had these, you know, these two uh, family members who also reached out. Uh, Tim helped me a lot in finding other family members and friends. And then there were all these people who sort of work in Hollywood today, or you know, some of them run Hollywood today, who met or knew Lawrence Tierney in the 1980s and 90s. Because when you were friends with Lawrence Tierney, you'd find out he'd be sleeping on your couch and wouldn't leave for, for 90 days. Uh, he was this couch surfer. You know, he had his own place to live, right. but he, he was an alcoholic and wanted friendship and this and that. And there are so many people who told stories about their friendship with Lawrence Tierney. Two of them, uh, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Uh, These are the guys who wrote the movie Ed Wood. They did the People versus O.J. Simpson, Big Eyes, uh, the People versus Larry Flint. Very successful producers and uh, directors when they uh, and writers. When they first started their careers, Lawrence Tierney lived next door. And so they would be writing in the afternoon and they said the door would burst open and it would be like Kramer and Seinfeld is <laughs> bursting in and he would <laughs> and he would talk to them and they had all these wild stories about about Lawrence Tierney the actor uh, uh and comedian Patton Oswalt tells the story of, of sitting at I think it was the New Beverly Theater uh one afternoon watching Citizen Kane and suddenly there's a, there's a ruckus behind him and a guy starts talking into the screen etc and Patton Oswalt turns around to say shut up oh so it's Lawrence, it was like looking at an Easter Island statue. It says Lawrence Tierney. And Lawrence Tierney sat there and talked to the screen for 15 minutes saying, ah, you're no guy. You're not funny. You can't sing. Well, who's that? Guy? Oh, wow. And then some somebody came in and said, Larry, we got to go. We have to go. And he said, Tierney stood up and went, you know, I've never seen this picture before. It's not half bad. And left. And Oswald said, this, this, this was like unbelievable. This is like my ultimate Hollywood moment that Lawrence Tierney came in in the middle of Citizen Kane, talked to the screen for 15 minutes and then left. So, there's <laughs> he, lots of stories like that in the book. Well, he didn't. He didn't ask Oswald for a large cup, did he? No. Okay. Good. Unfortunately, <laughs> would have preferred that. I think. <laughs> Obviously, when you when you research a, anybody, you can go on forever in your research. But at some point, you have to say, "Okay, I have enough for the book." How long of a period before you reached that point and said, "You know what? I've got enough material. I'm going to sit down and write this fascinating biography of a an actor." A lot of people don't recognize initially, but Will, when you mentioned some of the movies that he's been in. But how long did it take you before you said, okay, I've got enough material now to sit down and write the book? Well, I think it was probably about six months of research. Then I started writing. And then while I'm writing, I'm also finding new people to interview and finding, you're finding things all, all the time and finding people all the time. I'm getting people referred to me. I'm getting emails from people who are, you know, who had heard that I'm writing the book. And so that kind of went on to the very end. The the, the writing of the book went on, you know, through, well, revisions on the book went on, you know, through 2022. So it really was sort of a, a two-year, two-and-a-half-year period where, where I was working on this. But you were productive during COVID by writing the book. So that worked well, out that well. Well, was, that was the one thing was yeah. I was able to, you know, I had the time to do it. Right. Uh, and and when I, the, mo- the most difficult part was, again, finding someone or a publisher or an agent who would 
take the book because they're like, who's Lawrence Tierney? And I'm like, you know, wait, this is a great story until one day uh, through, actually through my my co-author on a book I wrote called The Show Won't Go On, uh, Jeff Abraham, said there's this agent in, in uh, New York named uh, Lee Sobel, who you, you, you know, might get this. And I got in touch with Lee and he called me back within like five minutes and he said, I have been trying for five years to get Courtney Joyner to write a book about his friend Lawrence Tierney. I don't believe this. And then he introduced me to to Courtney. I got, got Courtney's blessing and cooperation. Great, great guy. Helped me out a lot. And Lee, you know, within a couple of, of weeks, you know, had several offers for the book. And and there you go. Suddenly we had a publisher. So and he was most surprised to find out that it was basically already written. So it was great. <laughs> yeah, that does help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had done all the, obviously all the legwork and the hard work yeah. and talking to people. J- just as a technical thing. So did you, when you were re- interviewing people by phone or, or online, did you record the interviews so you could have the reference or did you just take notes? I always like that. No, I re- recorded everything. Did I do Zoom interviews wh- wh- well, where I can. Right. Uh, re- re- record everything. Some of the interviews are done in person. You know, luckily because you know people are in town here. Right. Um, we've got to kind of lug. I always have. To, I'm always at the mercy of of the recording equipment. I really don't know how to. I have one of these. I don't know what they're called. But I don't know, know how to really how to work it. And you find out that it turned off. I know Zoom. I could trust, or if I have my little thing. So I did, I did a lot of a lot of stuff over Zoom and and over phone. I still have all the recordings. And a lot of times, what I'll do is, you know, I'll have the transcripts. I'll send them out to to be to be transcribed, and I'll send them back to the the person to make sure you know. That this is correct and it's what they want to say. No, that's great. And that way you have proof that, in fact, it was a legitimate quote or, yeah, yeah. or anecdote. Before I let you go, Bert, your favorite Tierney film, you personally? My favorite Tierney film is The Devil Thumbs a Ride, where he plays this killer who thumbs a ride with a lingerie salesman, winds up in, an, you know, in, in a vacant beachfront house with a couple of women in the lingerie salesman and you know, murder ensues and, you know, death comes, but it's tyranny at his most wicked, at, at his most evil that you, you could ever, ever imagine, but also funny. He's also very funny in it. I think one of his best roles, which you could find on the internet, was Tales from the Dark Side from the early 1980s. He plays an exorcist who's married to Phyllis Diller. And he and Phyllis Diller are, are a husband and wife team of squabbling comic exorcists. And he's hilarious. And that was the problem. That was part of the tragedy. He was so, he was very funny. But nobody could get past the fact that he was also so good at being evil. What was, before I let you go, what's the most surprising thing you found out in your research or by interviewing people about Lawrence Tierney? Well, the most surprising thing I found was how great an actor he was. He never made it to Broadway. A couple of times he almost did. At one point, he got in a fight with the, with the director and, and stormed off. Another time, he was accused by the director of being drunk and lost the role. But he did a lot of roles in summer stock and out of town from New York. And he did, for instance, you know, The Last Mile, which I believe it was, you know, Spencer Tracy was, uh, was in the original role. He was compared right. favorably to Spencer Tracy. He was compared favorably to Humphrey Bogart in The Petrified Forest. He did A Streetcar Named Desire. Well, for one night, he got fired the next, uh, that's another story. But he was compared favorably to Brando and, and people like that. He was a really great actor. And, and digging into it and then watching all the films and seeing what he did, he said, wow, this guy was a, a true talent. And the thing he had in common with the two other gentlemen you mentioned is they both liked to drink. All three liked to drink. Well, it's funny, he, in, late, in the 19, I don't want to keep going here, but in the late uh, 1970s, 
he got a role in Death of a Salesman uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, Martin Balsam played Willie Loman. Uh, Tierney had a role as his brother, I think, who appears as sort of a spirit in it. And of course, before the end of the, uh, uh, before it even made it to opening night, someone was fired for being drunk and ran away from the production. But it wasn't Tierney. Ah. It was the director, George C. Scott was the director. He got drunk and ran away. And guess who took over as director? Arthur Miller himself directed nice. Tierney in uh, Death of a Salesman. So as you see, there's these great connections. And that's another part of it, too, that he worked with so many great people. Well, it's a great story. And you can find out more in the book. My guest has been Bert Kearns. He's journalist, television and film producer. And he's author of the new book, Lawrence Tierney's Hollywood's Real Life Tough Guy, published by the University Press of Kentucky and available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And to order the book, go to lawrencetierneybook.com. And for a signed copy, you can go to larryedmonds.com. And you can follow the book on Twitter at Tough Guy Tierney and on Instagram at Lawrence Tierney Book. And Bert, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Take join, care. Thank you. Thank you. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.